Well, this morning I've come to remind you that the Lord is your shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. And we'll spend some time in Psalm 23 this morning. It's a very familiar, familiar psalm. And it's probably the most popular poem in the Psalter. Even unbelievers know Psalm 23. It is a go-to passage of scripture in funerals and any context where we need a source of encouragement. And uh, this morning, as we engage in the text, uh, I pray that the Spirit will help you see the deep and relevant meaning of this psalm in our everyday life. So we don't need to meditate on Psalm 23 when there's a funeral. We can meditate on the truth in the psalm every day of our lives. So this morning, we'll meditate through uh, Psalm uh, 23. And I think the overall theme of the psalm is this. It is an expression of the believer's profound confidence in the Lord's provision, his protection, and guidance. And we could probably use that as a title for a sermon, if we, for this sermon, if we, if we were to do that. It is confidence in the Lord's provision, protection, and guidance. And we will go through the psalm in sections. So if you like sermons in three points, sorry, we're not going to have three points. <laughs> we're just going to walk through the psalm. And uh, we'll read it in sections. You could probably title each sections if you, to make you feel very comfortable that, yes, I got my three points. <laughs> so Psalm 23, we'll read the first verse first, and then we'll pause and uh, get, uh, glean some meanings as we go along. We'll just, that's how we'll go. We'll read some sections, glean some meanings, and move, and move on until we read the whole psalm. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now we could probably park here and spend the rest of the day unpacking this statement. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It is the summary, in fact, of the psalm. It is the, it is the headline. Everything else in the psalm kind of uh, uh, explains how the Lord is our shepherd and what that means, the application, the implications of this statement. The Lord is our shepherd. What is interesting in this statement is that he, he, the statement identifies, gives an identity, and also he identifies a relationship. So it says, it, it states the relationship that we have with the Lord. We are his people. He is our Lord. It also communicates who we are, right? He is God, and we are just his creation, his, we sheep, and he is our shepherd. This analogy of shepherd, sheep, is very common in the Old Testament. In fact, it's probably one of the most common ways that the Lord uses to identify, to explain his relationship with his people. And uh, now, not a lot of us in our context are shepherds. So we know, I'm, I'm not a shepherd. I'm, 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 I was born in Haiti, in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. That's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a busy, hustling city. We don't have sheep. Well, you may find goats and pigs walking around, but uh, not sheep. And, uh, but how, how do we understand, really, what David is talking about as the author of the psalm, that the Lord is our shepherd, we are his sheep, to understand what, what that means. Well, I'm sure a lot of us, some of us here have pets. 
Imagine your pet saying, you are my master. I have all I need. Oh, those of you with children, oh, you've seen babies. You could see a baby is completely dependent on their caregivers, their mom. Imagine the baby said, you are my mom. I have all that I need. And the baby, the baby would really mean that because the baby actually could not do anything for him or, 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 or on his own. That's this dependency that David is trying to capture here in the psalm, saying that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, sheep, I've heard, are not the brightest animals in the animal kingdom. Left on their own, they are helpless, completely helpless. They lack everything. They easily wander away from their shepherd. They go astray. They really need shepherds to provide for them, to protect them, and to guide them. So the Lord just chooses a very nice analogy to, to explain who we are. We are sheep, <laughs> not the brightest ones. <laughs> we are sheep. And in this world, we have no control over the things going on in our world. We could see how we can be like sheep in this world. We are prone to wonder and easily distracted away from God and unable to return to him on our own volition. We need a shepherd for our provision, for our protection and guidance. So if I were to do a summary, I mentioned earlier that this analogy of shepherd sheep is very common and probably the most common way the Lord describes his relationship with Israel. Let's do a summary just a survey of the Old Testament. I'm going to just, just remind you of some texts to see the, the richness of that imagery in the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 49, verse 24, God is referred to as the shepherd, the stone of Israel. From Genesis, Genesis 49, 24, God is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. And the psalmist in Psalm 100, verse 3, he says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Through the prophet Ezekiel, God says, And you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Lord God. That's in Ezekiel 34, 31. And even when Israel was in exile, God promised them a king, but that king has a shepherd-like quality. In Isaiah chapter 40, while Israel is in, is, is in, is in, is in, is in uh, exile, God promised deliverance through a king, through a shepherd. 40 verse 11 Isaiah 40, verse 11, he says, He will tend his flock, describing the king. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. That's how he describes the king he promised Israel. 
The next text in the Old Testament I want to get to see together. And if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to actually get there with me. It's Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11 to 16. And you will see as I read, it's a long text, but as I read Ezekiel, I encourage you to see similarity with Psalm 23. Ezekiel, God talking to his people. 34, Ezekiel 34, verse 11 through 16. Again, the, I, what I'm trying to do is try to harvest, if you will, this whole analogy of shepherd and flock in the Old Testament that, that David is picking up on in his text, in his poem. Verse, Ezekiel 34, verse 11. It reads, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I I myself will search for my sheep and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among the sheep that have, that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all places where they have scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries. And I will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their, graze, their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the stray. I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. How beautiful that is. Our God is making such a promise to his people. And how he's making an emphasis is I myself will do that. I will care for my people. I will seek them out. I will lead them to good pastures. I will provide for them. So having this richness of the Old Testament, when Jesus claims in the new that I am the good shepherd. Jesus is not simply borrowing from the culture of the day to show that he is a shepherd to his people. What is Jesus doing? He's communicating to the people that he is God. He is the promised shepherd. He is the one who's come to gather his sheep. He is appropriating for himself the whole analogy, the whole idea that God is Israel's shepherd. Jesus says, here I am. I'm your shepherd. That's a bold statement from Jesus when he said, well, so those who got it, they're like, whoa, <laughs> something amazing is happening. The king is here. The shepherd is here. Jesus is here. So, so David, as he's writing this text, he knows how committed a shepherd is to his flock. He's writing this from the wealth of his experience, right? 
because David himself was a shepherd. He was a shepherd. So he knows what it is, what it's like to care for sheep. So when he's writing this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he's talking, he's writing from experience. He is writing from experience. And in this text, David is no longer the shepherd. (laughs) He is the sheep. The Lord is the shepherd. The role is reversed. David recognizes his proper place in a relationship with God. He is not the one in control. He is not the one leading. He's not the one protecting. He's not the one providing. Instead, he is the one receiving the provision. He is the one receiving the protection. He is the one receiving the guidance. And he knows how good shepherds behave so he can say, I am, I have all that I need. Because he knows what that means. Let's continue our reading. Now we're going to read through verse 3. In fact, we're going to do 1 to 3. It said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. But keep in mind, this is David the shepherd writing, right? So he understands. So he's, he's, he's doing this. It's not, it's not, it's not theoretical. <laughs> this is existential for David. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See, the shepherd knows where all the good grazing lands are. It's not the role of the sheep to figure it out. It's the shepherd's role. The shepherd leads the sheep to the good pastures, a good grazing land. So friends, God is not surprised by, by our needs and circumstances. He's not at all surprised by those things. He does not struggle to meet our needs. In fact, he makes provision for our needs before they even come to us. So he leads us to where we can meet our needs. In fact, the order of creation actually tells you that. Before God says, let us make men, before he even said that, everything that is necessary for life and enjoyment was already created. Before Adam realizes or has a desire for companionship, before Adam even articulated that, God had already declared, it is not good that man should be alone. You see, when you face your need or something that looks insurmountable, you're shocked by it, it doesn't shock God. In fact, he's going to lead you to where your needs will be met. That's the way he has designed this whole thing. So we can live completely depending 
on him. That's the order of creation. So anything that tries to circumvent that is rebellion, is sin. The Lord is not surprised by our needs, my friends. And scripture reveals to us that Yahweh, the great I am, he is all sufficient and mighty. He always provides for his people. In famine, the Lord feeds his people. In the wilderness, he cares for his people. In exile, he protects his people. And notice in, in verse 2 and 3, in Psalm 23, that it is God who is taking all the actions. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores my soul. He leads me. So in our relationship with the Lord, as far as provision, protection, and guidance is concerned, we have a very passive role in that relationship. He is the one who provides. He is the one who protects. He is the one who gives the guidance. You know, back in 2010, I was approaching the end of my military service. I was a commission officer at, at the time, and I felt a nudge that I needed to uh, separate from active duty. Uh, if you're familiar with the military, you can... You can, uh, at the end of your commitment, whether enlisted or commissioned, you can, you, can, you can decide not to continue or you could re-enlist or, or continue with your commitment and serve at least 20 years and you could get a retirement. But after 11 years of service, I sensed that the Lord was calling me out. And at the time, the economy was not doing so well. And I had a wife and two young kids. So I shared my idea of leaving the military with a friend, and he didn't see how wise that was. It was like, it doesn't sound like a good idea. So the more I thought about it, the more I started to, fear started to creep in. And I remember I was on the playground with one of my boys uh, at an hotel in, uh, was in Ergada, Egypt. At the time I was stationed in Cairo, Egypt. And uh, I was standing there, pushing my son on the swing. And right next to me was another father also engaging in this invigorating exercise. And we're there. And uh, we start our conversation. Turns out that he's a Coptic Christian and uh, he was experiencing some really hard times. And I, in the conversation, I decided to encourage him. And I'm using scriptures to encourage him. And I, I use Psalm 23 as a source of encouragement for him. And as I was encouraging it, it dawned on me. It's like, oh my goodness, this is for me. <laughs> this is for me. And I sense in my spirit, the Lord saying, I will lead you to green pastures. I was like, oh, okay. So the fear ran away and I resigned my commission August 31st, 2010 was my last day of active duty military. September 1st, 2010, I walked into a job in the D.C. area created just for me. The Lord provided for my needs. He led me to green pastures. 
Ever since then, I've been in the D.C. area. That job a year later somehow was almost uh, gone. The contract was a government contract. The contract expired. And uh, I literally was called at the end of the day, uh, leave the office right now, and uh, the contract expired. We didn't get it, so you don't, we don't have, you don't have a job. I'm like, what? It's a year. What am I going to do? The next day, the same person called me and said, uh, we need your skills. We need to keep you. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I, the Lord was so kind, and they kept me. I was a high-paying trash collector. That's little. <laughs> but it didn't matter. The paycheck was coming in to take care of my family. The Lord led me to green pastures. Because I am a sheep. He's my shepherd. The Lord always leads us. To the right path. He always does. He always does. I like when I read the Ezekiel text, one thing I love about that text, if you have some time, go back to it, is the personal, how personal God takes it, the language that he uses, a very possessive language. I don't know if you notice that when God is referring to his people, he takes it very personal. <laughs> he takes it very personal. So your needs, whatever that is, it's personal to God. And if he's not meeting it the way you want it to be met, that doesn't mean he's not meeting it. Pray that the Lord would open your eyes to see. He always leads us to the right path and always meet our needs. Now, the path does not lead always to green pastures. Well, he leads to his pastures, but does not only include green pastures and still waters. He does lead us to the valley of the shadow of death sometimes. In God all wise providence, sometimes going through the valley of the shadow of death is the right way, the right path to take you to the green pastures for his own glory. Let's read verse four, Psalm 23. Even though, see David again, speaking, writing as a shepherd, understanding what that means in the relationship of shepherd and sheep. Verse 4, even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Is it because David's so courageous? Is it because he's so confident in his, in his own ability? No, he's explained why. Say, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See how this verse highlights how God protects and guides his flock. But like the rest of the psalm, they, they just express that the, David is talking from the sheep's perspective, right? His confidence. In the valley of the shadow of death is not because he is strong, but it's because he's not alone. The shepherd is with him. The good shepherd is with him. And David knows a little bit about that, right? When David was explaining to Saul what he does to protect his flock. David knows what a good shepherd would put himself through to protect his flock. Because he himself has done it. 
in 1 Samuel 17, David is explaining to Saul what he does to protect his flock. Verse 34, he says, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him. I struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him. I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. That's David. It was just a little boy. (laughs) That's what I do when they come and bother my flock. That's what I do. Flex his muscle. Not I mean, you don't mess with my flock. But that's just David. That's David. Uh, a, a teenage boy protecting sheep. Now, what about God Almighty? <laughs> what about God Almighty? I mean, why are we afraid? Why are we worried if we indeed his people? I mean, there's a way for us to live as God's people that people will look at us that we're bit weird. We're strange. We ought to be peculiar. Because we, we have a shepherd who's able, who's able to protect us, able to provide for us. I'm still fascinated by when, 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 when Jesus, when Paul on the road to Damascus, right, at this encounter. How, what did Jesus, the Lord Jesus says? Why are you persecuting me? Oh, Paul said, what? Who are you? I don't know you. <laughs> but, but see how personal God takes these things. You mess with his people, you mess with him. You mess with him. That's in this context that David is writing this. Even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death. Now, there is, the shadow of death is scary, okay? I don't want to go there. Nobody in their right mind want to go to the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, I mean there's medication for you if, you really, if, that's, if that's your thing. That's not normal. But yet, that's sometimes the necessary path to maturity and for God's glory. The question is, will you trust them as you go through it? And the value of shadow of death could look different for different people. But nonetheless, we all will go through them. For his own glory, he will do that. Not because somehow he got lost. No, not somehow that he is a sadistic God, no. We live in a fallen world. There will be evil. He didn't just save us and then rapture us. That's not the way it works. I wish it worked like like that. But no, in it, through it, is with us. That's how he finds glory. The Lord is the one who provides for us, who protects us, and who guides us. The rest of the text, verse 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. 
my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now the Lord in his generosity and might showers his people with blessings to fill their hearts with joy, even in the presence of opposition. Even when things are hard, the Lord still finds ways to bless us and to bring joy to us. No one can stop God from caring for his people. Not even Satan. No one can change God's plan to provide for his people. He is sovereign. He is good. He is gracious. He is merciful. As he is with us, as long as he is with us, surely goodness and mercy is with us. All the days of our lives on this earth, in any circumstances, even when we are in the valleys of the shadow of death. You know, when, when, when you know, when you know that you are where God wants you to be, even when things are hard and difficult, we don't run, we stand. And why do we stand? It's not because we want to defy the hardness or hardship of life on our own. It's because we know that he is with us. His goodness is with us. His grace is with us. His mercy is with us. His power is with us. So we stand and, and trust him. We stand until he himself, he leads us to the next place. And uh, the psalmist recognizes that his life is also moving toward a place. And that place is where God is. That's his destination. That's where he's going. And Jesus promised in John 14 that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. So the Lord is shepherding us, his people, to a place. To where he lives. To where he dwells. His dwelling place, that's where he wants his people. And he's committed to shepherd us there, to lead us there. And a place where there'll be no sin hindering our relationship. Our, our shepherd, our good shepherd, the Lord Jesus, also conquered the ultimate enemy, the ultimate predator to us which is sin and death. And the, the prophet Isaiah, uh, there's a promise. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. 
and the Lord has laid on him, which is Jesus, the promised one, the good shepherd, the iniquity of us all. So Jesus, our shepherd, is slain. This is an amazing thing. Jesus, the shepherd, is slain like a lamb, like a sheep. So when John the Baptist saw Jesus and declared that, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the shepherd is, is preparing to be slain like a sheep. So our friends, the Lord is your shepherd. So why are you troubled? Why are you anxious? Why are you weary? Fear is very common to man, but the Lord tells us over and over in his text, do not be afraid. If you Google how many times in the Bible, how many times the Bible says the word fear not in one way, shape, or form, if you Google that, the most common answer is 365 times. Now, I didn't go to the Bible to count every one of them to double-check Google, but hey, we're in the world age of Google. Google says it must be so. But it is safe to say that God in his revealed word, word remind us over and over again, do not be afraid because we are so prone to be afraid. So prone. In this big world, there are so many things we can't control. How can we not be afraid? We may be overwhelmed by needs that we cannot, be, that we cannot meet and we are anxious. Even you children who are here, young ones, and not many of them, there are some young ones there. Even young ones, they are afraid, they are anxious. There's so many things we don't know that we would like to know. So many things we don't have control over, we'd like to have control over. It brings us a level of anxiety, but the Lord reminds us over and over again, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And there's only one way that we can overcome our overwhelming fears. In that way, it is to know, to be convinced that indeed the Lord is your shepherd. When it is deep in your soul that indeed the Lord is my shepherd, that will help you tremendously overcoming those fears. So how do we respond to this, uh, to Psalm 23? Think uh, in the Psalter, there is an invitation. I think is appropriate. In Psalm 95, verse 6, it says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our Lord, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice. And Jesus goes on, continues in the same theme of the shepherd. And he said, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, 
and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So our friends, Psalm 23 tells us that the Lord provides for our needs, our physical needs and our spiritual needs, temporal needs and eternal needs. The greatest provision that the Lord has made for us is the accomplishment and the assurance of salvation to His Son, Jesus Christ. So how do we respond to the Psalm 23? Well, we hear the Lord's voice. We hear the invitation. We run to our shepherd. We run to Jesus. We run to Jesus for provision. We run to Jesus for protection. We run to Jesus for guidance. May the Lord bless you. Let me pray for you. Oh, Father, good shepherd, we come to you as your human pasture, your human sheep, your human flock. We come to you. We recognize that in this relationship, you the one who provides, who protects and guides. So we submit to your Lordship. We run to you, O Good Shepherd. Would you mend our wounds, strengthen our bones, restore our souls, the hurts, the pains of broken relationships, the overwhelming weight of needs. The burden of chronic disease. We run to you. Oh, good shepherd. Provide for our needs. Lead us to green pastures. Lead us to still waters. We thank you for protecting us from the enemy who is seeking, roaming to, seeking to and fro, seeking whom to devour. But we know because you are with us, we are protected. No one can snatch us out of your hands. Thank you for such assurance of salvation. So we know because you are shepherding us, you will lead us to your dwelling place. You, the one who began the good work in us, you will bring it to completion. You are committed to do this. And you are able to do this. So as we run to you, Father, we know that goodness and mercy 
will follow us all the days of our lives, even when we go through the shadow, valleys of the shadow of death. So we trust you. We submit to you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.